Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack has you covered with all the news and notes surrounding, surrounding your Penguin. Only on 5th Avenue Faceoff. Hello, friends. It's been a while, but welcome in to another edition of Fifth Avenue Faceoff. Training camp, believe it or not, is right around the corner. And we got to talk about everything the Penguins have done this offseason because it has been a busy one. It's been one of those offseasons where everyone around the league goes, Do you see what they did? Now, whether it results in anything on the ice or not remains to be seen, but that's why we bring in an expert to talk about all of it. And who better? Then our man, Jesse Marshall of The Athletic and McKean's Hockey. You can find him on Twitter, at jmarshfof. Jesse, hello, my friend. Well, welcome to the end of the summer, beginning of the fall, and uh, training camp eve, I guess. Uh, at least a few days away. Heavy dew is in the air in the mornings, Chris. The yes. hot sweater weather is quickly approaching us. It is. It's hoodie weather, my man. Yep. And that's that's let's go to a rink and watch some dudes skate weather, and that's totally fine by me. Um, Because I can't wait to see how this thing comes together. And we'll get into some stuff that you are an expert in, in like prospects and young guys and stuff like that in a little bit. Because I do want to kind of pick your brain about some of the players that average everyday hockey fans may not know as much about. But I kind of want to just start with a 50,000 foot view from your perspective on everything that happened this summer. Um, To me, it's a clear statement from Fenway Sports Group and ownership that, hey, we believe there are a couple more good years left with the core of this franchise. And we don't care if we get older before we have to bust things up, as long as we're getting faster and more skilled. And that includes going out and finding a GM who has the same line of thinking. So, uh, it's now all under Kyle Dubas's umbrella. And I mean, he remade at least half the roster in less than a month, it feels like. And now here we are on the eve of, of getting to see how this is going to materialize. Just your overall, like I said, 50,000 foot reaction to what we saw this summer. I would argue you didn't even just do the roster, Chris, you, the whole organization, right? Uh, he cleaned house and built an entire new hockey ops department that actually has, you know, some really advanced legs to it, it would seem, um, from analytics on down. Uh, you know, I felt like the ask was kind of like to turn a large cargo ship in a complete 180, like it, on the Mon. You know, like not an easy thing to do, uh, not a lot of room to do it, but he he found a way. And it, this team now, all of a sudden, you kind of feel like has an identity, whereas last year's team was sort of like, what is it? Um, and it was a mishmash of parts. You didn't really get the sense that Mike Sullivan – and the, the GM were operating on the same page all that much. I don't, I don't walk away with that perspective from this offseason. I don't think the Penguins made a signing that you go, uh, what was that? No, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, so, I, you know, they're, they're not going to be faster, I don't think. I don't think that he's injected a lot of youth into the team. I don't suddenly think they've become circa 2016, 2017 Mike Sullivan-style Penguins. Uh, and I still think the coach is going to have to try to find the right balance of how to play with this group. But... You look at this team, you think, well, 
probably ought to qualify for the postseason, right? They ought to probably make the playoffs, even even though the East is just a behemoth and there's teams yeah. like Ottawa and Buffalo that are also knocking on the door and looking to knock the Penguins out. They've rearmed themselves in a way, uh, organizationally, that you know seems to have turned that ship around and given them the pivot that they were looking for. It was an aggressive bit of work by Kyle Dubas, but so, you know the window is. We always talk about the proverbial window, Chris. When's the window mm-hmm. going to shut? Uh, you know he's at least shoved a brick in there for the time being, right, and given them yeah. the ability to fight another day, which you you kind of felt like was a leap run. Hextall just wasn't willing to take, uh, which was crazy given the circumstances. So, yeah, uh, fifty thousand foot view. I think. Um, you're on a much more level playing field right now than much more solid ground than you were going into last year. So let's start with the the linchpin to the entire off season, which is the Carlson acquisition. Um, does this fix the speed issues? Does this fix the possession issues, the retrieval issues that seem to be coming more and more glaring as we progressed through the last, I'd say season and a half or two seasons um, is are they? Gonna, it doesn't sound like they're going to play appreciably differently because, to your point, Mike Sullivan is still the head coach and still has a way he wants his teams to play. But it does seem like, at least on the back end, with Carlson involved, um, with the other acquisitions they've made on this roster, whether it be depth forwards, whether it be Ryan Graves on the blue line, they are now more equipped to, if they can't carry the puck through the neutral zone, at the very least, go get the puck once they've gotten it into the offensive zone. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you look at some of the the depth forwards they picked up in Noel Cherry, um, you know, Matt Nieto, even Rem Picklick. These are all guys that are really good at, at going and getting it and playing in the other zone for a little bit of time. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, Chris, they lacked a fourth line last year that you could just trust in any capacity yeah. whatsoever, right? And any at all, you know, you don't need 30 goals from your fourth line. You only need 10 goals from your fourth line. Give me one that just takes the heat out of the kitchen and plays in the offensive zone for a little bit throws a couple hits, gets that momentum back. And, you know, that's their role. Um, there aren't a lot of fourth lines around the league that are scoring at elite rates. <laughs> They're just darn. Uh, he's rebuilt it in a way where I think it's functional, right? And not only is it functional, it bolsters the penalty kill. That's really the, the key takeaway. Uh, the one thing we know about Todd Reardon is he loves to give a green light to, to the team's defensemen to go out and, and take chances. Uh, right. You always, you always kind of look at this in terms of, of odds, um, and a coach will say to defensemen, you know, go after 75s or go after 80s or 50s. or And what he's talking about is is puck battles. You know, if I feel like I have a 75 for 55 or 65% chance of winning that battle, I'm going to go for it. I think the Penguins play loose there. They just do. They play loose. Uh, I don't think that Jeff Patriot had the attacking sort of like uh, conscious uh, to be able to participate in the way that uh, the team wanted him to, you're not going to find that problem with Eric Carlson. So I think, you know, at the end of the day, whether it's him or Ryan Graves, you've kind of got two guys that are real comfortable carrying the mail. They like to participate. They like to pinch. Uh, and I and I expect the Penguins' solution to some of the breakout issues they had last year to be to just add another player to it. Uh, give you one more guy in puck support, let the D make the decision. And, uh, you know, they've with the magnet, the, the, the Matt has the stick that Eric Carlson has, the dangles that he could pull off in the neutral zone. They're, they're going to they're gonna get an uptick in scoring chances from that. And even if he doesn't hit 100 points, Chris, who cares? I mean, like, if he gets 80, great. I mean, you're complaining about an 80, 85-point defense when I'm not. Uh, so I, I think this is just, uh, you know, you're getting the last good squeeze of juice while it's still there. Um, and he's just an elite, elite talent that's going to really take that zone entry game to another level. Yeah, and hopefully, I mean, a lot of the impact is going to be seen on the power play. I want to get into that specifically in, in a little bit, but bringing it back to the guys that they they brought in this year, Jesse, I guess other than Carlson, 
right? Because I think everybody's most excited to see how Carlson affects things and how much time he actually spends on the ice. And um, which of the offseason acquisitions do you look at and get most excited for? Like you mentioned Achari. That's one. I've had an eye on Noel Achari for a couple of years. I thought he was perfect for the bottom six for this team. And also sort of a middle six guy that if you need him in a pinch to play on Malkin's wing for a week or two, he can at least survive there, right? Um, and they may have to shuffle things like that the first couple of weeks without Jake Gensel in the lineup. But uh, Graves on the back end, who is just a perfect partner, it would seem, for either Carlson or Latang. Um, Nijelkovic as a different kind of backup to Casey DeSmith, or excuse me, a backup instead of Casey DeSmith. Um, when you look up and down the roster at all the additions made, which guy do you go, oh, that's the one? That, that I'm definitely going to have the closest eye on. Again, other than Carlson. Hey, I got to go to Riley Smith. Uh, you know, that was a good bit of business by Kyle Dubas. Really, the first thing he did when he took over was to make that trade, which was no, no cost to the Penguins or a consequence to them whatsoever. You had a Stanley Cup winner uh, who's proven uh, to be really good at carrying the puck across the blue line with possession and going to get it as well. Uh, he's going to vastly take a burden off of Evgeny Malkin if you know if and when he gets to that second line. I think he will spend a cup of coffee there at least at one point or another. Uh, ultimately, take a burden off your star centers to have to, to cross the blue line with possession and feel like that's an effort that's on them. He's really good at it. Uh, and I think about the things that he does inside the offensive zone, and he strikes me like a bit of a Chris Kunitz, right? Uh, or even a Ricard Raquel for a more modern example, Chris. Like, this is a guy who goes in, creates space, draws defenders to him by his ability to hunt open ice, wins loose puck battles, gets to the front of the net for screens. Uh, that's Riley Smith. I mean, you now have two of these same sort of utility players on the same, right within your top six. Um, and I And I think, you know, Penalty kill aside, just looking at it from an even strength perspective, there's any number of things that he does that could really give that uh, uh, any line he's on a boost, help them elongate possession uh, and help them increase their expected goal totals and the share of expected goal totals more importantly. So a uh, bit of a safety net, um, you know, not a, not a, not, not a necessarily a jack of all trades, but maybe a jack of the trades that go a little bit more unnoticed um, and, and the ones that, you know, can help you create space for star players, which let's be frank, at their age, Chris, that's what Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin need is guys to help them do that work. Yeah. If you don't mind, give me like a Cliff's Notes, 20 to 30 seconds on on each of these guys. I'll, I'll rattle off yeah. the name. You tell me uh, your initial your initial thoughts on, on how they'll fit into the lineup and, and how they'll impact this team. Um, we, well, we mentioned Achari. Let's start with Noel Achari. Yeah, he's like a typical guy that Pittsburgh loves. Like, really, you know, at the end of the day, he's he's a cartoonish version of a Pittsburgh hockey player. Uh, you know, energy, uh, up-tempo, good skater. Um, you know, hands that every once in a while, Mickey Blake, who is that? You know, not, not a routine thing, and he's not going to score 25 goals, but he's competent in almost every facet of hockey, especially defensively, uh, and is a really annoying player to play against. Not because he's like a Marshawn chirper and like is in your face stirring it up. He's in your face forechecking you and taking your time and space away. And nobody likes playing against the, you know, guys that can rob you of those luxuries. So I think he'll endear himself to this fan base as early as like day two of camp. Uh, people, I think he'll be the story of people they'll take away from those early portions of camp. will be like, wow, how good did he look? Um, a lot of people, a big fan of this kid. I'm included. I think he's going to fit in great. What are we going to get from Achari that we don't necessarily get from Nieto and vice versa? Um, probably speed. 
I would say that's his main element of it. Like, you know, I think, and we'll, I'll jump right into Matt Nieto. I mean, he gives us some of the same stuff, but I don't think he's as good of a skater. And I think he's probably better and more of a defensive specialist. Uh, there's more of a guy that's like a wet blanket. You know, you get a big third period shift in the defensive zone. You're trying to protect a one goal lead. Uh, that's who you're going to put out there probably is Matt Nieto. Um, and, and, you know, ultimately uh, the kind of guy who I think set both of them, um, set a really high standard of practice levels. They're out there every single day. They're practicing, you know, they're practicing at optional skates. Um, they're, they're keeping the pace high. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I, I look at Mike Sullivan as the kind of guy who's probably most in love with these signings because he loves getting these players up on that four check in, in the face of the other team's defensemen. Um, and you know, Hey, they're both going to be pretty good at that. I just think achari has got the better wheels and is probably, uh, on top of that a little bit more offensive gifted as well. All right, Rem Pitlick, is he just sort of cut from the same mold as these two, but five years younger? Five years younger and 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 Teddy Bluger-esque defensively, I would okay. argue, maybe a okay. little bit. Like, that's really where you're getting some punch. Now, he's gone on runs, Chris, where he's exhibited these talents in a goal-scoring capacity and had, like, small pockets of goal-scoring success that haven't lasted and you know, for, you know, frankly, he's coming out of one that lasted an entire year. Um, <laughs> it was a drought, but I mean, he can give you a little something in there in, in brief spells. So there's utility to him uh, throughout the lineup in, in times of injury crisis, which this team seems to um, never uh, miss avoiding that. Uh, I think, you know, you could play him pretty much anywhere, but at the end of the day, uh, his focus is what he does in his own end and taking time and space away from people in the defensive zone. All right, Lars Eller, uh, how much gas does he have left in the tank? 34 years old, I think, soon to be 35. Um, can he give them the kind of gritty veteran anchor they need on that bottom six? I think that he can give them um, competent minutes that aren't like going to sink the team. You know, like I'm obviously making a Jeff Carter comparison here, but like, look, there were times. No, you are. Were, you're doing it. It's okay. I, I was. No, I was. I'm admitting it. Uh, I just, I think that at the end of the day, he's, you have to stop yourself if you're thinking, oh, Lars Eller, Washington Capitals, because this is not the same player at all. Uh, and that was a, that was almost like a, you know, for the Caps, uh, he was like an HBK type hero for them, where he's like this right. depth scorer who was, you know, going up against other teams, really good players and winning those matchups. I don't know that I feel that way anymore. And, and, and look at the end of the day in Pittsburgh, Mike Sullivan always goes one for one and two for two. He puts Crosby out against the other team's best. And he doesn't hide from that matchup often. So that should lead you to believe that Lars Eller is probably going to get bottom six assignments, right? Which is a different mm -hmm. environment than what he's been in. That should soften the blow of sort of like the age curve for him. I think Look, at the end of the day, Chris, they, have to they just have to deploy him responsibly. You can't deploy him like he's 2016 Lars Eller. Uh, you'll get burned on that. It's not going to work out. I think he's lost a step, but I think he's a super effective defensive player. You're noticing a common theme here. He's yeah. a super effective defensive player who can still contribute on special teams in certain areas. Uh, and again, is going to go out there and, and you know, you hopefully keep the ball in the other team's, uh, you know, side of the court and not sink the ship. And I think like, that's a low bar to clear, but it's all the penguins really need at the end of the day is just a little bit of competency in there. Uh, and I think he can bring it. So just temper your expectations a little bit, right? I don't think go out and looking for like 25, 30 goals or 20 goals. Um, you know, he's lost a step. Uh, the four checking will probably take a little bit of a step back as a result, but this is still a, a, a immensely ut a, a useful player with a lot of utility in the bottom six. I want to be clear about that. Yeah. Uh, you know, you keep him in that area. He's going to be fine.
PK, I mean, I would imagine he'll see a, a good amount. Sure. Of oh yeah. 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 And and they've added so many hands to that bus now, Chris, like yeah. the P they they have so many penalty killers. Whereas last year that pool was very shallow and it was full of guys who frankly, I don't think had the level of a, you know, Brock McGinn is a great example is I don't think had the level of aggression required to be an effective penalty killer in the system. Uh, these guys all have those traits and there's a bunch of them. So that's, you know, uh, I think a good sign for the special teams unit, especially. Ryan Graves, uh, I mentioned it off the top, kind of a perfect partner for a more offensively minded uh, right-handed defenseman like Latang or Carlson. Um, what else should we look for other than being a, a sort of younger upgrade on Brian Dumoulin? Um, he's not Brian Dumoulin. Let's start there. Yeah, that's a good yeah. call out because that you're, we're kind of used to Chris Letang having this like defensive minded partner. Uh, Ryan Graves loves shooting the puck, loves shooting the puck. He does it real well and does it in volume. Uh, and to the point where he's like plus 90th percentile for defensive shots from the blue line inside the offensive zone. Uh, so that's, that's going to be interesting to see how that dynamic works out with Chris Letang. Should that be the pairing that we see? And I think it will be, uh, and then, you know, I, I'm going to uh, flash my alarm right here, uh, frankly on your show, Chris, uh, and this may be the first thing I write about this year, but I, I don't know how I feel about it because traditionally speaking, Ryan Graves doesn't give you a lot of positive returns in one-on-one -on -one defensive situations where he has to suck someone down individually and he's going to have to do that. Uh, the call will be on him there in a way that I don't think it was in New Jersey. And he's going to have to be better defensively than he was, frankly. Uh, I love what he can do in transition. Great with the puck on his stick. Not concerned about him turning it over. Love what he's going to provide in the offensive zone. Remember that old Ryan Whitney play, Chris, where he kind of like sneak in the back door a little bit uh -huh. in the late. He's going to do that a ton. He's going to put a ton of pucks on that. But if the burden is on him in a larger fashion defensively, I think it's fair to say, whoa, is this the right play? And like, can we temper this a little bit? There's going to have to be give and take Chris at the end of the day, right? I don't think Chris Letang is going to be able to necessarily do the things he did when 2017 Brian Dumoulin was around because he's gone mm -hmm. and there's not anyone like that on the roster right now, except for Marcus Pedersen. And there's only one of him. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how the dynamic works out. Maybe Ryan Graves has to be the one to change here a little bit, right? Like maybe it's time for him to step up and give you better defensive returns. That time could be now. So I don't want to put the burden solely on Chris Letang, but I want to be cognizant of that partnership because that could potentially be a bit of an oil-water mixture depending on how their habits work out. Well, let me ask you this then. Does it make more sense in a way to have Graves work with Carlson then? Because you talked about Pedersen being the perfect match for Latang, and I think there's a level level of comfort there, yeah. uh, just being familiar with each other. And Carlson is going to possess the puck as much, if not more, than anybody else on this blue line. So that puts Graves in fewer opportunities where he has to be in that one-on-one -on -one defensive position. Um, would that work, or, or is that still putting too much on Graves' shoulders defensively to have to watch Carlson's back when he knows Carlson is going to be aggressive offensively? Bingo. Uh, I think there's a lot of people in Pittsburgh who are going to be in for a rude awakening, Chris, where they've maybe been uncomfortable with how Chris Letang has operated in his time as an offensive defenseman in Pittsburgh. You're in for a treat with Eric Carlson, folks, because this is a whole nother world. And like, it's, it's not, I don't want to paint the picture of irresponsibility, but it sometimes is like when you have this wanton offensive talent, that's like just mm -hmm. oozing from you and you have this ability to dangle everyone. Um, he uses it. He's not shy about using it. And he puts himself in really compromising situations that 
you kind of like clench up a little bit. And you're like, oh, here it comes. And then he's, oh, how do you do that? You know, it's just like, a, yeah. I, I, like, there's a cycle you go through with Eric Carlson. And then watching the video from him last year, like he was just very much operating with reckless abandon and he scored 100 points that way and put out a lot of good returns. But it's going to test his partner. I'd like Marcus Pedersen in that position because, frankly, I don't think he's super interested in participating offensively at all. And this is just the kind of environment he's looking for. So um, you, you may see a mix and match, though, Chris, to your point yeah. early on in the year until they find that balance and they find that mixture that works. But uh, make no mistake about it, they don't have the personnel, in my opinion, to deploy their standard archetype 1D, 1O on your defensive pairings. That doesn't exist here, right? At some point or another, you're going to have 1O, 1O. And, you know, I'm excited to see how that looks, but a little bit tentative as well. Yeah. I mean, we'll have two Hall of Fame defensemen for people to boo when they <laughs> yeah. turn the puck over. Go, yeah. and that'll be tons of fun in the middle of February yeah. uh, when they're on a West Coast trip. Uh, before I get to some other depth guys that were added this offseason, I mentioned a different backup goaltender. Alex Nedeljkovic is brought in to back up Tristan Jari. Um, is this better or worse for the 20 to 25 games, maybe 30 games the Penguins expect their backup to play? Is this an indication they expect Jari to play more? And what are we going to be able to learn about Jari in the next 82 games that we don't know already? And how much of that evaluation of Jari are we still going to be left to, to see in April and hopefully May and in yeah. June, perhaps? Well, I think I'll start with Nedeljkovic. Uh, you know, he's a guy who's been uh, the tale of, uh, you know, two goalies, really. I mean, he's give you, he's given uh, teams, you know, again, periodic moments of above average to average play co-mixed with times where he can't be deployed. Um, you know, sound familiar. Uh, <laughs> it kind of like feels like the backup they just jettisoned. So yeah. um, the answer to that question is which version of him do you get? And does the environment make a big difference. You know, I think if you kind of look at the expectation, which accounts for environment and how he performed against that, um, you might be in a better position here than you were with Casey DeSmith. Marginally so, but you'll take that, okay. right? Uh, I don't think there's anything we could learn about Tristan Jari in the regular season. Um, I think the learning has to come from April and May. You know, we made, um, um, you know, uh, a big deal years ago uh, out of a lot of different goalies, playoff consistencies. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury is one that comes to mind. Um, we as a city as a whole. Uh, that's going to be the question with Tristan Jari. Is can he get it done in the postseason? Uh, I know there's that argument of, is there a difference between postseason hockey and regular season hockey? Ask Sergei Bobrovsky. There were several years where the answer to that question for him was very clear cut as a yes. Um, now, I'm not saying that's applicable to Tristan Jari. I'm just saying we've never really, Chris, seen him in a position where he's been healthy. Yeah. in a position to, to to give you a full-on effort in the postseason that you could sit down and fairly judge. There's been a lot of injury-ridden ones that are probably not fair to really lean into that much, but I just don't know that we we have the answer to that puzzle piece yet. He could, frankly, I, I, think, I think the sentiment I get a lot, Chris, from people is whatever happens between now and St. Patrick's Day with Tristan Jari is completely irrelevant to me unless it's him being completely shelved. And I, it's tough for me to argue with that. Yeah. You know, um, I would have loved to have seen him had the opportunity to go on a redemption run last year. He played with a nagging injury all season. Um, you know, I, I just think this is a situation where he was signed. Yes. I want to acknowledge that, but like, I don't think Kyle Dubas is, is going to wait around too long 
um, to, to see how things go if the bottom falls out and you sort of get this early on impression that he can't handle this. I don't think that's going to happen. I'm just saying, I don't think despite that contract, Kyle Dubas is here uh, to exhibit a grotesque amount of patience in this goaltending situation. He did the best he could, I think, given the circumstances. I personally probably would have moved on from Jari, but if you look at what happened in the market, you yeah, know, some of the guys you thought were going to be cheap cost an arm and a leg. Um, so, you know, they, they were kind of in a position where we said they had to rebuild a lot, didn't give them the ability to rebuild goaltending the way they wanted. But I don't, I don't think Tristan Jari kicks them out of the playoffs uh, if he's healthy, Chris. I mean, he's proven yeah. he can get them there. It's what happens after that that I want to see. And I think that's to answer your question where the learning part comes in. All right, let me circle back around to the other depth additions that were made. I'm not going to list them all by name, but everybody from the the PTO, professional tryout guys like Mark Pissick to um, there, you know, guys like Vinny Hinnestroza, uh, who else am I forgetting? Andreas Janssen, uh, a bunch of different depth additions who may have some sort of uh, cup of coffee at the NHL level. Maybe in Pissick's case, you know, ends up starting the year in the lineup. Um, when you look at all these depth pieces that were – thrown at the wall to see what sticks uh, in training camp this year. Is there one or two that you look at and say, that guy fits what the Penguins want to do? Yeah, I think we made these mentions of these depth forwards, Chris, and Vinny Heinestroza is like, you could have just, I could have replaced his name with any of those other names and you would have probably gotten the same report from me. So, you know, <laughs> good defensively, has a bit of energy sometimes, like, you know, not going to make or break things, but makes the bottom six look different. I'm selling on Mark Pissick making this team until I see him play because it's been over a year. And I have no idea what kind of defense we're getting here. I think the calls for that have been a little bit premature. Like a year-long Achilles absence plus some of the other issues that he dealt with uh, and just being off a lot in the last mm -hmm. two seasons I mean we don't know what we're getting from him. I think if Kyle Dubas felt really strongly about him making the top six, he'd assign him to a contract and not a PTO. So I, you know, at the end of the day, great guy to have. They need the depth. He's a competent defenseman, but I think I need to see that he's over that physical limitation. If he's over if you get the Mark Pissick that existed pre-Achilles injury, home run grand slam signing. Unbelievable work. And yes, I would play him. But I I don't know yet, right? It's a yeah. it's a traumatic injury to have. It's a lot of time away from hockey. Um, and we kind of gotta see how that works out first. All right. Uh, you are an expert in the field of the NHL draft prospects, uh, guys who to, I'll just be totally honest, average everyday hockey fans like myself look at it and go, I don't know, Western Hockey League, maybe he's tough. I don't know, he looks like he can skate. Um, so tell me, we, we got the roster over the weekend for uh, the Prospects Challenge. Um, uh, it looks like Owen Pickering isn't going to be a part of that, still dinged up. Um, but when you look at that roster, um, who jumps out at you as far as – may be able to make an impact sooner rather than later. I got, it's not there. It's just not, it's not there. I mean, I, I'm sorry. Like, you know, um, the one guy I probably would have given you, you know, at the, before this season,